This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Lockdowns have changed the way Catholics worship. Or have they? We've been through this before, ladies and gentlemen. Lockdowns are nothing new. What we're going to talk about today on this Living the Faith podcast, which is slightly different from the live streams. The typical live stream covers news and spicier things. This podcast is going to cover how we can sanctify and keep holy the Sabbath day, which is the third commandment of Almighty God. And it is divine commandment. It is divine law in spite of the secular laws and even the ecclesiastical laws that we are facing today. And we might even talk about some historical contexts in which we've done this before. Living the Faith Podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com This is the Living the Faith podcast. You used to do this particular format every week or so, and um, I really have not done it that much. It's more like once a month, and it's really nice to be with you to talk about something that is uplifting and positive, as well as informative, and that is what uh, today's podcast is going to be. We are going to be joined today, if he dials in, uh, by Dr. Anthony Stein, the Return to Tradition guy. He's got a great YouTube channel. My wife is a huge fan of it, uh, Return to Tradition. And you can follow Dr. Stein on Twitter as well. So when he dials in, which we're expecting him to, uh, I'll bring him up. But what I want to do right now is, first of all, give you a reading from an old catechism to set the stage because uh, yeah, I love these old catechisms. What I'm actually going to be reading from, though, is... Here, let me, let me show you what I'm reading. What if we could go back, ask the saints and scholars of the past to teach us the faith today? Hi, I'm Aaron Sang, president of Tradivox, a Catholic nonprofit working to recover the official catechisms of Catholic bishops and councils from across the last millennium, and there are hundreds of these, restoring and republishing them now is a beautiful new multi-volume series, a cohesive, clear, and accessible guide to the enduring faith of our fathers across time and space. But it gets better. Tradivox is also working toward an interactive media platform unlike any other, a tool that will forever change how we're able to access, learn, and teach the Catholic faith handed down to us from the apostles. 
our data set is the fixed magisterium of hundreds of Catholic bishops centuries past, teaching the faith today. The faith, as it's been held and taught and lived throughout the centuries and across the globe. We're giving voice to tradition, and we need your help. I invite the faithful of the entire world to support this historic effort as we seek to restore the perennial catechism of the Church. May God bless you. Isn't that cool? I'm really excited about this project. Uh, the folks over at Tradivox sent me the first version, Volume 1, and I've been using it to prepare uh, one of my children for his first Holy Communion. And I was just reading through the commandments of God with him uh, from this old catechism, and I thought, you know, this is really something that we can focus on, uh, particularly today with the Third Commandment and how to fulfill uh, the Third Commandment in spite of your bishop. So um, I'm going to take myself off the screen here because I'm going to have a fairly long reading from uh, this particular catechism. So here it is. I'm going to take myself off screen. Of the, of the third commandment of God. Okay, here we go. What is the third commandment of God? Remember that thou sanctify and keep holy the Sabbath day. In Moses' law, the people were commanded to sanctify and keep holy the Sabbath day, which day we call Saturday or the seventh day. For after Almighty God had created all kind of creatures in six days, the seventh day he rested or ceased to create any new creature. But in the law of grace, we do not sanctify or keep holy the seventh day called the Saturday, but we sanctify or keep holy the day following, called the Sunday or our Lord's Day, in which Christ our Lord arose from death, making mankind that was created earthly a heavenly creation in the day of his resurrection. This precept of sanctifying or keeping holy the Sunday or our Lord's Day doth contain under it all feasts and holy days instructed and commanded by the Church. And we do sanctify the holy day when we apply ourselves to the worshiping of God. Therefore, upon Sundays and holy days, we ought to search our conscience and purge it from sin. We should cry and call unto God for mercy and grace, thanking him for his manifold benefits bestowed upon us. We ought to have in memory Christ's passion, paradise, hell, and purgatory, so to abstain from sin and exercise ourselves in things that be godly for our soul's health, as in going to the church, to pray devoutly, reverently, to hear Mass, and other divine service. How many ways is the holy day broken? Four manner of ways. By servile work, by omitting the worshiping of God, by unreverence of holy things, and by wanton or unlawful plays. How is the holy day broken by servile work or labor? If upon Sundays or holy days we work, or cause others to work any servile labor that properly pertains to servants, as plowing, carting, digging, and such like, or do use 
handicrafts. However, for pity or necessity, some things be permitted to be done upon holy days, as dressing of meat, preparing of a medicine, burying the dead, and such like. Also, it is permitted upon holy days to exercise the liberal conscience, or the liberal sciences, sorry, as to dispute or study, to sing or to play upon instruments. And, if necessary, do constrain to take a journey upon the holy day it is permitted. How is the holy day broken in omitting the worship of God? If every Sunday and holy day we be not present at divine service, and if we do not hear holy one Mass with a devout, reverent mind, or if we do not say our divine service that we be bound unto, if we be not confessed at Easter and receive the sacrament, in omitting these and such like, we break the holy day. How is the holy day broken by unreverence of holy things? If we hear Mass unreverently, as talking, walking, gazing, or occupying ourselves idly, and if we misuse the church or churchyard or pollute the same, or if we use anything forbidden by Christ or his church, we break the holy day. One more paragraph. How is the holy day broken by other plays, pastimes, or gaming? If we misspend the holy day in unthrifty games as cards and dice for covetousness, or when we should be at divine service, or if we use dancing for wantonness, or if we frequent taverns or bowling alleys, or if we use any dishonest place or company, by these ways and such like we break the holy day and so offend God. All right, so that is the reading from this old catechism. And that's actually, that's not a typo on how it's spelled. That's how the uh, old English way of spelling catechism. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so you've heard a little bit about the third commandment, at least as it was taught 500 years ago. You know, there are a lot of catechisms out there. And uh, what I'm excited about the, the Tradivox project is that they're going to bring a lot of old catechisms back to life. There isn't just one centralized catechism of the Catholic Church, the 1983 John Paul II version. There are tons of catechisms put out by bishops all over the world, um, and these are really part of the treasury of the Church and need to be read. What I wanted to zero in on is, I think a lot of people, when they talk about the Third Commandment, um, they usually speak in terms of the negative terms, the, the, the negative precepts of the Third Commandment specifically to uh, refrain from servile labor. And a lot of people spend time almost become almost in a pharisaical way of trying to figure out what is servile labor and what you can kind of get away with. You know, um, are you allowed to go to a restaurant, for example, on a Sunday because that causes someone else to work uh, and perform servile labor for you, even though you're just kind of sitting there and receiving the food? I don't really want to go into that because um, I think others have done it better. And, um, and I, and, but what I want to focus on more are the positive precepts 
of the third commandment, and specifically, it is a requirement of God um, that you do, in fact, sanctify the, the holy day. Now, this is something that we never really heard the bishops talk about when they started the lockdowns in March and April of 2020. What we heard them say was that uh, we're very concerned about your health. We're very concerned about your body. We don't want. We want to contain the spread. We want to have two weeks to flatten the curve, which has now turned into forty-five weeks, or so. Um, and we, you know, we don't want to. Uh, basically, it, it it came down for them to to two things: the the theory of naturalism, which is that they're more concerned with your body than your soul, and um, risk assessment. So suddenly, the lawyers and the accountants. Uh, started running, who you know, are running around the chanceries. Started running the diocese and making these decisions and saying, "Oh my goodness, we might open ourselves up for unnecessary risk if we keep the churches open." Because if somebody can prove that they contracted this supposedly deadly disease uh, in mass, then you know we we are opening ourselves up for risk. So that's why you saw them shut down and say, "Okay, now you can you're dispensed from your." precept to attend Holy Mass. Now, some people will say that a bishop does have the power to dispense you from your obligation to hear Mass, especially in a time of a pandemic. But what the bishop does not have the power to do is to dispense you from the divine law, which is the third commandment of Almighty God. So even if your bishop has told you that you do not have to assist at Holy Mass in person in order to fulfill your Sunday obligation. You were not, therefore, dispensed of your obligation to sanctify the Sabbath. And what you didn't hear any of the bishops talking about, as far as I could tell, and look, put a comment in there if I'm wrong on this, uh, and point me in the right direction. But what I failed to hear was a bishop telling you Specifically, how, step by step, how you can sanctify the Sabbath without assisting at Holy Mass. So, the what was given to you were very long and detailed guidelines about how to prevent the spread, how to maintain socialist distancing, um, all of the Covidian and Fauci's rules. Uh, certainly, you have to muzzle your face. Maybe wear gloves. Uh, at some in some churches, they're distributing Holy Communion uh, in your pews, so they don't want you up and moving around because the virus might spread that way. In other cases, they're forcing you to receive our Lord in the hand because if you receive on the tongue, they say that could spread the virus. So long, detailed lists of rules and do's and don'ts, and this is the time you can show up, and you know you can only have a five-minute sermon in, in Albuquerque, for example, because if the priest talks for longer than five minutes, then you know there, there might be a higher probability of the virus spreading. All these do's and don'ts. But how many of them actually told you how to sanctify the Sabbath in a lockdown environment? Now, we've been in a lockdown environment before. In fact, the image that you clicked on to watch this video, the thumbnail image, is of a lockdown environment. It is a secret mass happening in somebody's house. It's a, it's a famous Irish painting during the, um, during the Reformation in which 
the Protestant Brits were uh, brutally suppressing the Catholic faith, not only in England, but in Ireland as well. So we've gone through lockdowns before, but what we did not see in this lockdown in 2020 was a proliferation of private masses. Yes, in some ways the church did go underground, and some people had access to the sacraments. Thanks be to God. Look, I know many of you did. I certainly did. I scraped and scrounged and looked for uh, as many private masses as I could find. But by and large, the infrastructure of the church was not prepared um, to to go underground, and many, many priests, including traditional cassock-wearing Latin mass priests— famously, would not go underground. They would not minister to their flocks, um, either on Sundays or Holy Days of Obligation or any other days for that matter. In fact, I was made aware of one such priest in the western uh, part of the United States whose order it is specifically to offer the traditional sacraments. He would come over for dinner to your house, but he would not offer you confession at such an occasion. So you, you, we can dine together, but I'm not absolving your sins out of obedience to my bishop. So this is a problem, ladies and gentlemen, that I think uh, it needs to be solved. And uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we have to make the clarification that we do have, even if we head into another lockdown, or for the millions of Americans who are under lockdown right now, and are deprived of the sacraments, you are not dispensed from your divine precept of the third commandment of God in order to sanctify the day. So how do we do that? How do we sanctify the day? Well, uh, it says here in the Tradivox that if you can not attend Holy Mass, then you're supposed to have readings. In fact, um, oh, I brought the wrong book in. This is I brought in Ott. I was actually in preparation for this show. I was reading the Catechism of the Council of Trent. And uh, the Catechism of the Council of Trent basically says as well, if you cannot assist at Holy Mass for some reason. And by the way, the, the positive precept of the church, there are exemptions to the positive precept of the church. So, you know, if, if, it's, if it's snowing and, 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 and icing and you don't have four-wheel drive and you get stuck and, you, and you're trying to make it to Mass but you don't make it, you have not committed a mortal sin by failing to assist at Holy Mass. But that does not mean that we can just kind of mess around on Sundays. That does not mean that Sunday is just an extension of Saturday. Maybe you flip on the live stream Mass and kneel in front of your television. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people in the United States were watching live streams at their home some of whom were very, very well-intentioned, and they would dress up in their Sunday best, and they would, and they would listen to Holy Mass and on, t- on TV and watch it and all these things. Um, this, I, have, I have opinions about this uh, that I won't go into now. I just don't—something I, I, about it rubs me the wrong way. We are supposed to live in reality with our five senses. Uh, so something about experiencing a digital Mass uh, when our forefathers in the faith, when they were shut out of Holy Mass, they, you know what they would do? They would pray the Mass together at home as a family. And I think that that is a more real, uh, grounded, uh, sc- uh, scholastic thing to do um, within your home. So I think that's that's the first thing. And I've heard good holy priests say this as well. In fact, I think Father Dan Nolan, FSSP, who's been on this channel before, has offered that as one of the ways in which you can sanctify uh, your Sabbath. 
So I, you know, again, I'm not a fan of. I'm not saying don't don't live stream a mass. If you discern that that's right for you and your family, that's fine. I am just, um, I'm just not one of the people who thinks that it's proper to bask in the uh, the lights, the LED lights of your electronic device, and kneel in front of it. I think that that's a demonic inversion of reality, unfortunately. Um, and, uh, you know, you never saw the bishops get so activated about any one thing. You never saw them all act in unison. You never saw such energy and such uh, combined effort from the bishops of the world than, than they were to close down. They were so excited to close down. They all did it together. They all had the same message. They all had the same talking points. They all copied and pasted from the World Health Organization the instructions on what to do, what not to do, and why we're closing down and how to stay safe. Can you imagine if the bishops of the world came together to do something positive for the faith instead of merely avoiding risk? Can you imagine if all the bishops in the world got together and said, here's how you can sanctify your Sabbath. You can read the Mass at your house. You can still dress in the dignity of the Sabbath. You should still refrain from servile work. You should still spend time in adoration of Almighty God, even if you can't do it in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So here's Anthony. He's calling in right now. I'm going to cut to a quick promo while I get Anthony set up. Uh, perfect timing. Thanks for joining us. Watch this promo, and on the backside of this promo... We're going to have Dr. Anthony Stein with Return to Tradition. All right, we are joined with Dr. Anthony Stein. Dr. Anthony Stein, congratulations on the conferring of your PhD, sir, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, although I really don't, given my experience and what experience I have in academia, I, I find the doctor title to be a little weird, but that's why I'm never going to you know, put that in my bios online or anything. But <laughs> all, or if, or if I do, I'll do a what uh, Devin Stack of Blackpill does. He calls himself Dr. Professor <laughs> in his Twitter bio, and I might do that. But um, So we're talking about today the uh, 
keeping the the Sabbath holy in the coming dark winter we've been promised, right? Mm-hmm. That is what we're talking about. Oh, okay. So um, how many people out there are aware that Bishop Schneider, who, whose name I can't say on my own channel, by the way, for I have a good idea why that is. But um, Bishop Schneider, I, I believe it was him who said that under no circumstances can the bishops actually give a blanket. You don't have to go to mass uh, waiver to the entire population. They don't have the authority to do that. They can give it to you on a person by person basis for specific reasons, but they don't have the authority to do that, according to the bishop from Kazakhstan. Now, I, I had read that, and I think LifeSite ran with that, and actually, I think all the all the trad publications published that. Um, you know, I obviously I'm not a I'm not a um, a canon doctor or canon lawyer or anything like that, but it does sound like a traditional thing. I I had led before you called in. I had mentioned that um, you know it may or may not be true that the, that the bishops have the authority to dispense you from a positive precept like attending holy mass for specific reasons like a pandemic, but. That, but the distinction is that they can never dispense you from uh, the divine law of the third commandment. Right. And so the other thing that goes with that is apparently watching the mass on television or the internet doesn't actually fulfill your Sunday obligation to keep the Sabbath holy. And for the longest time in the church, the practice of watching the mass on television was banned. They, you, they, the bishops per, uh, would not permit the mass to be filmed for anything other than the education of priests. You couldn't broadcast it on television, nothing like that, because it was not a spectator sport. It was something mm. to participate in, and you can't really do that from the comfort of your couch. <laughs> and, and you know, and during the uh, right after the uh, the lockdowns were lifted, I I asked my own audience, you know, how many of you found yourself every Sunday? you know, dressing a little more casually so that by, you know, it all started in March. So by May, you were probably in your PJ still watching, you know, an Institute of Christ the King mass on, on the internet. And a lot mm -hmm. of people admitted they were doing that. And yeah. that's, that's a problem. Yeah, I, I think, I think it is. And the temptation to become overly casual as well, um, I think is a, is a big problem because here you're at home, no, you know, suddenly there's no peer pressure to wear your Sunday best because, you know, you're, you're just at your house. And I think a lot of people kind of were in loungewear, um, you know, maybe you're pausing mass and taking a kid potty or whatever. Maybe you're changing the channel. Yeah. I, I think I put out a meme. I thought it was pretty funny. I, it, I, not a lot of other people thought it was funny at the time, maybe in retrospect that they will, but you know, uh, People have said, you know, Judas was the first priest to leave mass early or something, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you know, don't leave mass early. Um, I, the, the meme was something about uh, changing the channel right after mass, you know, instead of giving your Thanksgiving, you know, or whatever is like, yeah, that's the new that's the new way of leaving mass early. <laughs> it's, like, it's not even like that. It's imagine going from uh, from switching the channel to, or, or, you know, going from the mass on on one, uh, I don't know, YouTube channel or whatever to your Sunday football game. You don't even have the break that it takes to get from from the parish to your couch, you <laughs> know, right. to, to transition you <laughs> to, to that secular activity. You're literally just, you know, flipping a channel and then getting up off the couch to go get a beer or some nachos or whatever. I mean, that's what we're talking about. And all the sports are back. And this is something we need to think about a little bit because you'll find I think you'll find this interesting. I received an email from a listener in Australia who said that in New South Wales, they're talking about requiring the uh, – the, the jab at, to get into mass that the uh, secular authorities are, that they're going to, uh, you know, get your, uh, your religious observance will be a, uh, an incentive 
to go along with the program. I can send oh, you the inform- I can send you the information on that that they sent me if you want. It's fascinating that this is what they're going with, and so this is probably coming to a parish near you, which is why I always laugh when people, you know, they sound they sound in every way like say an SSPX type person when they talk about how bad things are in the church. But when I say, hey, you know, you might want to consider ignoring Mr. Angry Man on front of the white screen mm-hmm. and and the misinformation he's putting out there, and you know, keep your at least keep your options open for the sacraments. They're like, no, 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 <laughs> I can't do that. Even though in every other way I agree with them, I can't because misinformation and it just blows my mind because there is a chance that on the one hand while i suspect you know that you know we're headed towards a really rough period it could also be that you know the sort of sense we all have is just fear and that that things might actually get okay for a while before things get bad again or it could be that you know we're going to find ourselves where it's clear that a lot of mainline parishes aren't teaching the catholic faith anymore and then we have to make some hard choices and you need to keep your options open for that because you have a duty right. to yourself and your family to get the sacraments. Right. Right. I I think uh, I, the other thing that Bishop Schneider laid out in that article um, was specific ways on how you can sanctify the Sabbath at your house. So uh, making a spiritual communion. Um, he listed, I think, multiple versions. There's the version from St. Alphonsus Liguori, the moral doctor of the church, I think he listed another one. Uh, mm-hmm. He listed some prayers that that you can say. I just, uh, Anthony, I didn't hear too many bishops uh, explain how to do that. They were all very energized about getting locked down, and many of them were bribed to do that. Um, I've documented that in, in videos, and I think you have as well. Right. Um, I wasn't too worried at first about them getting some of that federal money because I've volunteered in parishes before and I've actually seen the, the, the cost to operate parishes. And so I was like, I, I was thinking of it in terms of, you know, the parish secretary and the other mm. people who, who need to have their income. But then you see the amounts that some of these parishes were getting. You're like, okay, you just got an amount that's equal to like one and a half times your annual collection. Yeah. In one payout. Okay. So what's going right. on? But, um, it's uh, the, the the way of keeping the Sabbath holy that I've seen from some people is that they will pray the mass with their missalettes. That's what they'll exactly. do. Yeah. They'll go through the readings. They'll they'll quietly pray the the prayers that the priest says, except for the ones that are absolutely inappropriate for the laity. You know, at the time of the consecration of the Eucharist, they'll make an act of spiritual communion or something, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll go through it. That way, they're you know they're, st- they're still spending about the same amount of time as they would in mass. Um, others will say that they'll pray they'll try to pray a full rosary that day. Um, I think a lot of us at the beginning were sort of flying by the seat of our pants, not really knowing what we were supposed to be doing mm-hmm. because it's an unprecedented situation for modern Catholics. Where in the modern modern Western world have you had to like mimic a going to mass except maybe during a snowstorm? N- none of us have had to have that experience really in the modern Correct. Western world. So maybe it's, maybe it's all, it's all uh, in the past now. I, I, I kind of doubt it though. I think we're headed towards uh, some fun times. Yeah, well, I mean, as you as we were talking just off cam right before uh, I brought you in, you mentioned you know the long dark winter that Joe Biden is promising us. Um, I don't I don't think that that bodes well for uh, things getting better. You know, there's yeah. there's all this talk of you know the new normal and the Great Reset, Build Back Better, all that stuff. Um, some of it's noise, some of it's distracting. It's easy to get uh, sucked into a lot of that. But the truth of the matter is, is that uh, the federal mask mandate is happening on day one. Mm-hmm. Um, federal lockdowns on day one. 
And, um, you know, how is the Catholic Church in America in 2021 going to react when we saw how quickly she folded in 2020? <laughs> well, given that they how much more they like they, they like the incoming president than the current one, they're probably going to fold very quickly, very, mm-hmm. very quickly. I don't although it makes me wonder how much the people are going to put up with it. Then again, I just got a somebody just replied to me on Twitter saying that the uh, the outgoing president isn't going anywhere. He's that with the barriers you're seeing in D.C. is a command center for his. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even finish it. It's so ridiculous. Like <laughs> I know, I know. I I Look, wish uh, I, I, I would love nothing more than to get my video that I did for Wednesday morning to be downvoted a lot because I'm wrong, and have to do a Thursday mea culpa. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's happening, folks. I would, I would love to be wrong as well, but I, yeah, again, I, 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 f- I feel badly for the, and and you know what, the people who have faith in the plan, who trust the plan, mm-hmm. I, a lot of times I, th- I have found those people, and this isn't across the board, but the, but I have found that they have more faith in that than, um, than they do really in the sacraments. I, I start Wednesday morning off with a, a reminder from Scripture that we are too. Give to Caesar what is his due, but not to put our faith in, in, in princes. Mm-hmm. The, those two go hand in hand. And that a lot of us, and I do mean a lot of us, you know, those of us who got too wrapped up in everything going on this past fall, mm-hmm. you know, we all fell for it to some degree. Now we're just going to return back to the Obama normal plus more security state. It's probably what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a pleasant place to be, but, you know. Yeah, it's 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 not only the uh, anti-terrorist security state, but now it's the bio bioterrorist commu- uh, you know security state, and uh, and with, they've got a lot more goodies at their disposal too, in, in terms of toys that they can use. Plus some executive orders that uh that Trump activated, <laughs> that or that Trump you that Trump put into practice. Mm-hmm. I'm certain that when when uh, day one happens and those all get uh, all of his acts get cleared up, there'll be a few exceptions. Indeed. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> indeed, indeed. This is why I think we're headed towards a fun period. And I use fun and not in the actual sense of the word fun, but you know. Now I want to I want to I want to touch on something you said though that we as modern Western Catholics have really not had the occasion to live through a lockdown before. But this is really this has happened all kinds of times in the church during persecutions mainly. Yes. Um, and we, so we we we've got a playbook. We just need to dust it off and use it. Right. I think this would be a good time for people to reacquaint themselves with the saints of the Counter-Reformation and with the practices of of English Catholics in the, what, 200-year period where they couldn't practice the faith publicly mm-hmm. unless they were out in the hinterland somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something you're going – probably we all need to get back uh, – at least familiarize your, ourselves with. And if you own your own home, and it, you should start considering possibly um, having a priest hole put in. That sounds extreme. I've heard the rhetoric of the people coming in. They might not be that extreme. And if it if it turns out to be nothing, then guess what? You've got a place out of sight to keep, uh, you know, your wine supply or you know, your, your yeah. storm food or anything else. That kind of space is never a waste. But you might find yourself to be a blessing for somebody or for your Catholic community. Yeah. Should the worst happen or when the worst happens. Because scripture makes it pretty clear that there's coming a point where there will be no uh, public ma- – where the mass will not be offered anywhere. And I'm not saying that's coming. It might be. Who knows? Like, we. Sh- <laughs> I'm always reminded when people keep asking me when I cover like you know Catholic prophecy. When is all this happening? Like, 
Bible says not to speculate too much on the when. And I'm also reminded of all the uh, Protestants who were out there saying, I had a, you know, a prophecy given to me from God saying that the orange one is going to be victorious. <laughs> I kind of want to go find those videos now and ask them some pointed questions, but, um, well, there, some of those videos might be taken down. You know, we, we, we both know, <laughs> we both know people who have done that. Um, yeah. You know the thing with the priest hole, Anthony, and I hate to be so negative because this is this is this is happening on my very positive and uplifting playlist, the Living the Faith podcast, which is not my typical live stream where I'm just kind of ranting about uh, the world. But when you say build a priest hole, and that's a good thing. Maybe even put a chapel in your house, or you know, build an altar, whatever, a home altar. Where are the priests? Where are the priests that are willing to you know buck the trend and go underground and offer private masses and you know, I know a couple, you know a couple, but but largely, largely there are none. Obedience is the watchword, and we have this false sense of obedience. I, one of the things that reasons I'm del- late is because I, like I was telling you off the air, is I want to uh, get most of my weekend videos done a couple days early this week for obvious reasons, I think. And I have an encyclical by Pope St. Pius X, and he was dealing with a situation where there were priests who had fallen into following this um, Polish mystic. Not that Polish mystic, not the one everybody thinks of when I say that. But who were, they? They were. She was giving them directions, and they stopped listening to their bishop. And so he starts citing, you know, obedience to your bishop and everything, proper church teaching. This was before he wrote Pashendi, and so people will probably be like, you know, you're supposed to follow your bishop in all things, yada yada yada. Look, he says it here himself. The SSPX are wrong, yada yada yada. Except if you read Pashendi, Pius X basically says the modernists aren't even Catholic anyway. So. Um, <laughs> Right. <laughs> what obedience do you owe to someone who to who claims to have a uh, religious authority over you who doesn't? And obedience is their watchword right now, mm-hmm. and it's so frustrating. Like there are good di- there's a good diocesan priest who was five minutes from me. I would love to have a conversation with him about you know if this stuff happens, what's your plan? <laughs> you know, are you gonna right? You know, quietly at least at least go to people's homes and hear their confessions and get and give them the uh give them the eucharist at the very least right and that's and and that's why I, I was just telling a, a quick story right before you called in about you know a, a a latin mass only priest not a diocesan priest but one of the major three orders in the pacific time zone who you know would come over for dinner but would not would not hear your confession out of obedience why wouldn't he? Why? Oh, this was during the lockdowns, right? During the lockdown, and uh, <laughs> you know, you know, so it's kind of like I think a lot of I think a lot of priests, and some are going to be watching this, and maybe some are watching right now, were bamboozled by 1.0, and several of them have come out and said, you know, if if this happens again, I'm not playing ball again. So I think I think uh, some of them have woken up to the fraud that has been committed upon us. Of course, now we have a a, a hostile administration coming in. Yeah, who's, no, no, who's, that's true. That's who's true. Talked, who's talked about getting a hundred million jabs out there by what St. Patrick's Day? Is that is that a hundred days out, or would that be, or would that be uh, yeah. Pentecost? I think it'd be uh, by Pentecost. It'd be about a hundred, hundred million of these things out there. That's by the way, nearly every adult in the country. Yeah, it, the stakes are higher. The stakes are higher, but I, I think that it's really a clarifying event, though, don't you think? I mean, it, it's it's going to separate the boys from the men. Yeah. Um, my hope is that if you that uh, if you are forced to take this thing, that it's because they're holding you down. Yeah, because that will wake people up. You, they can't. They cannot censor everything. It's impossible. 
as uh, as uh, Mr. Torba over on Gab has proven, you can get you can still get the word out to some degree. Mm-hmm. Are you on Gab? I am. I'm at Return to Tradition. I, by the way, for the I, my, it's not the place I spend a lot of time. I spend most of my uh, time still on Twitter or on Spurn, SP3RN. Yeah. But um, as of Saturday morning or Sunday morning, all of a sudden there's no issue getting into Gab. I guess all their new servers got went finally went up. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I tried to join. I think when everyone else was trying to join, I couldn't get on, but Spurn is actually good. I'm glad you brought up Spurn. I haven't really talked about it on the channel yet, but uh, you're on Spurn. I'm on Spurn. Spurn is a new Catholic social media network. Um, and I know uh, one of the people who's behind it and uh, he's a great guy, works with uh, Hugh Owen at the Colby Center. And um, mm-hmm. I, I highly encourage everyone to get on Spurn. Um, I'm not saying that it couldn't be deplatformed because I don't really know how it's set up. And I know that one of the people who owns the play owns who who is the proprietor of the website actually owns the servers for it himself. So that gives wow. one extra level of protection. And for those of you who say, "Well, I don't like the name because it sounds too much like something nasty or it sounds hostile," SP3RN was the was the code. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Was the code name for Saint Maximilian Kolbe during the war or during uh or during the interwar years. I'm not sure which. I'm not the biggest St. Maximilian Kolbe scholar out there, but it was something he used when he was doing his, uh, when he was on the radio, because he owned his own radio setup, which a lot of people had a hard time believing that either. But I've seen the photographs of him in his cassock with his big beard sitting there at his, uh, mm-hmm. at his radio. So um, it's, it's, and to give you an idea of how much I like this place, the terms of service require you to affirm your baptismal vows as the terms of service. <laughs> which I think is pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. So. Yeah, you have to you have to check all the boxes, right? Like I yeah. I reject Satan and all his, you know, pro- false promises. Check. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you do, which is great. It's like like Twitter. I have my set my settings on Twitter set up so that I'm unlikely to see pornography, but once in a while people will do that. Now, to their credit, Twitter clamped down on this because people used to use uh, do that to people like tweet at them nasty imagery as a instead of having an argument they, they'd be like oh i lost the argument so now i'm going to send you degeneracy because mm-hmm. i know that you shouldn't be looking at it and i'm possessed <laughs> or whatever the thinking is that goes into this stuff mm-hmm. but i don't have to worry about that on spurn at least until people get in who shouldn't be there so but yeah it's a good it's a good platform and it is it, it's you know if you like to have your uh you know, your anonymous handles as your public handle, you can. Um, I know that Radical Catholic is over there, and he's out there as Radical Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on Twitter and you're not following him, you should. He, he tweets out, uh, you know, Catholic wisdom, so it's good stuff. Yeah, no, I there's a, a lot of good f- people are migrating over to Spurn. It's a little clunky yet, but I think uh, sort of like how Gab will get, got things ironed out, Spurn will get things ironed out as they get bigger. Mm-hmm. They've been around for three years also, so I... I almost wonder if he was expecting to have a sudden influx of people when all the stuff started going down a few weeks ago. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, that's that's now, fascinating. A bit, of, uh, a bit I, of good news, though. It looks like the the great Twitter purge is is done, or at least on hold. Amazingly, it seemed to stop about ten hours or so after the uh, Project Veritas video came out, showing that they are definitely doing it as a political thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> And for those that are not familiar with the Twitter purge, they've been, you know they were they're targeting um, conservatives, targeting Catholics, um, d- d- deleting their accounts, or deliberately un- unbreaking you know breaking people's bonds to each other, which I think is is something that communists love to do. So you may have been following, let's say, a thousand people in Twitter 
through some algorithm went in and unfollowed some portion of those people that you were following, hoping that maybe you wouldn't notice to just, you know, to just break down the bonds that you have with people that you uh, follow and like. Mm -hmm. It's, it's amazing how much, how disrupting it can be in your life to hear this, to have your, uh, you know, to lose your Twitter account of all things. It sounds so silly, but I remember a, one of the very few figures who was associated with the alt-right that I ever watched, mm-hmm. not because I agreed with his take hot takes on that stuff, but because the guy would have spent half of his time, like in self-reflection about his own sinful nature. And it was like, come on, man, you're so close. Just cross the Tiber. And when you do that, if you do it authentically, most of this other stuff that you're dealing with will get filtered out too. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I paid attention to the guy. And when he would talk about some social stuff, he was definitely on the money. But um, he ended up doing a whole video series after he got banned from Twitter about how hard it was to deal with and how shockingly difficult it was to deal with having all those connections severed. So there are a lot of people out there who are it's as silly as it sounds. You know, they lost their Twitter, then they reconnected over on that other place and then again lost that. And it's like, yeah, people are I there are people suffering for the weirdest reasons right now because of all this. And thank you very much, Jack, for that. (laughs) Well. I, it is one of one of the first things that they do when they want to implement communism is they they have to break down your bonds to each other and um, that that includes both your historical bonds your your identity your cultural identity which is why they topple statues and rename buildings and make you ashamed of your history but it also includes your contemporaneous bonds with other people as well it's it's about isolation and if they can isolate you if they can socialist distance you with COVID and vouchism and censoring and all this then they can then it's easier for them to target you and and break you down because you don't have that support system so it sounds a little silly for us um to be talking about oh i lost some twitter followers and so did you you lost a lot um yeah i lost i lost like 800 almost 900 (laughs) i mean that's a significant thing for those people who aren't aware that they're not following you anymore and they're not going to get the information that you put out and uh, by the way, if you're not a subscriber to Anthony's um, YouTube channel, you should. It's called Re- Return to Tradition. It's much, much bigger than RTF, so you probably have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony reads a lot of the encyclicals. You brought up Pashendi. Uh, I know you've read Pashendi. I did. Um, that was one of the hardest encyclicals to record. And sometimes people get mad when they're like, man, like your reading of this is really clunky. I'm like, bro, these are not meant to be read aloud. These are very difficult <laughs> documents to read, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, I also do, uh, for all those of you who are still Vigano fans, I do his non-political letters, which is why for like a month and a half, I didn't have one from him. (laughs) (laughs) Got a little much for my taste with with, with those political things, but, uh, you know, but most people, I think most people who are listening to you probably heard of me at this point, but, um, actually I'll ask you this on the air. I'd love to have you on with, uh, Trad Patrick and I again sometime in the near future. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. That'd be great. We'll uh, work out the details for that. Sure. Um, I I appreciate you coming on, Anthony. Um, Anthony Stein, Return to Tradition. Uh, We we, we are not alleviated of the third precept or the the third commandment of God. Um, And we have to sanctify the holy day. And um, I do recommend reading that article put out by Bishop Schneider on how to do that. Um, Certainly, St. Alphonsus has ways to do that. but uh, let's let's all get ready, as you said, Anthony, with priest holes and building our own chapels and, and erecting our own altars and getting all of the things we need for Mass. Let's get ready for the worst, plan for the worst, hope for the best, right? Right, because, if it, it, because again, worst case scenario, you get a little extra storage space or you have a home altar, which all Catholics used to have anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's right. Is it bad that we have our home altar 
in our living room and my two-year-old uses the bottom shelves for storage of his toys. I don't think that's a problem. I don't, you know, I, hey, your, your, your two-year-old is probably going to be a priest, so, you know. I hope so. Train him young. <laughs> Train him young. My, my two-year-old, my two-year-old does cry at the at the uh, the so-called ordinary form at the mass. By the way, he he very much does not like it. <laughs> well, Granted, it's been a long time since he's been to one, but that he, just means he has good taste. Yeah, that, that's definitely the case. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, God bless you. Thanks for joining me again, man. And uh, let's talk soon. God bless. Hey, I really appreciate you guys watching. This is uh, the Living the Faith podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would very much appreciate it if you could subscribe. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give this video a like because the more people that like the video, and there are uh, over 100 of you watching right now live, you hit that like button, then the Russian bots at YouTube will present this video to more people. And, um, well, when that happens, more people will subscribe and see the information. Thank you so much for watching. God bless you. 